The title I want to talk about today is What Then Shall We Say? What then shall we say? And I just felt as we were coming to this moment today, that was where I wanted to focus. It's a phrase that's often used by the Apostle Paul when he's debating with those to whom he's writing, uh, found mainly in the letter to the Romans. And he'll be in the middle of sharing his heart on something. And this phrase, it's a little transition phrase, would pop up in the conversation, which implies that there's something before and then there's something after. He's saying, what reply can we make or to what does this bring us? So there's some form of argument, there's some form of discussion going on, some sort of debate, and this little phrase forces us to come to a conclusion. I notice too that Paul is always asking questions. That's what Jesus did as well. I'm going to start doing this. When people start asking me questions, I'm going to answer your question with a question just to see how long it takes to, to annoy you. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. What then shall we say? And, and let me just reference some of these instances. Romans 4.1, um, Paul says, what then shall we say? What did Abraham find out? Romans 6.1, shall we keep on sinning? Romans 7.7, 7, is the law sin? And for me, one of my favorites, and it's a passage I encourage you to read today, Romans chapter 8. Go home and read Romans chapter 8 today. And for me, there's a key in here. What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? I love that. He's making this point and he's saying, what then? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 9.14, what then shall we say? Is God unjust? God's never unjust. If anybody is just, it is God. And as the pastor of the church, when we lose people, I often, if not always, feel that we come to a transition moment. A what then shall we say moment. I don't know about you, but for me, these are moments when I ask the question, what then shall we say? And for me, it's often deeply personal because I stand up here uh, and I pray to God and I say, what then shall I say? <laughs> what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say this Sunday after we've had a difficult week? And God gives me the responsibility to speak life and encouragement into this congregation week by week. And there have been many occasions over a number of years now where I have had to say, what then shall I say? What then shall I say? What do we have to say about God that's going to encourage us and bring meaning and purpose into our lives today? And this is one of those moments for me. One of Heather's life verses was found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and a future. And when I read those words, and when I think about what they meant to her, that question comes into my mind. What then shall we say? And I have to say, I often feel like Isaac, and I'm back in Genesis at the moment in my readings. Genesis 24, 63 says that he went out to the field one evening to meditate. Some translations say that he went out to the field for a walk. Well, if there's an, an opportunity to encourage us to walk and pray, that's it, isn't it? Isaac went out into the field to walk and to pray and to meditate. 
And I don't know about you, but I often walk and pray and think, and particularly when things are troubling me. Jesus, in his prayer, asks his father, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Even Jesus asked this question, what shall I say? It's a similar phrasing. Father, save me from this hour. Is that what I should say? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus came to one of those moments, one of those what shall I say moments. And there's an apparent dilemma in what we're talking about today. And I'm just going to say it as it is, and forgive me if you feel I'm being too blunt, but it's said with the utmost respect, does our death bring an end to the plans and purposes of God? And as the question, what then shall we say, was going around in my head, I felt I heard the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear. It was regarding those named in faith's hall of fame, which we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. And you read about all these wonderful heroes of the faith. And this is what it says in verse 39. These, the heroes of the faith, were all commended for their faith. Listen to this. Yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them received what had been promised. And reading through Genesis, and God makes a promise to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he didn't see it. And he said to Isaac, the same thing, and to Jacob, the same thing. And yet none of them saw fully what had been promised. And it's a what then shall we say moment. Did the fact that none of them receive what was promised nullify God's plans and purposes? By no means, as Paul would say. Because verse 40 goes on to say this, God had planned something better for us, and that's the people he's speaking to at the time. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The people, the heroes of the faith who are referred to in history will be made perfect with the people of Paul's day. And this word ripples all the way down to today, to our day, and we say the same thing, that God has planned something better for us so that only together with us would all the people who've went before us be made perfect. And for me, that's the crunch of what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying today. They didn't receive everything that had been promised. They saw part, they saw a measure, but we move on in the plans and purposes of God for our lives. And here's the crunch. This verse transcends their time and our time. It transcends time. It will also transcend the times of the generations that will come after us. This is our moment. This is our time. Then it will be the time of another generation. And as I get further and further on in life, I realize actually time by, by, passes by so quickly, doesn't it? It passes so quickly. And we have our moment to make our mark. And we need to take that moment seriously. And as we consider the question, 
what then shall we say? If we truly ponder it, we discover that we're very small pieces in a very large puzzle. At least to us, it seems like a puzzle. But to God, it's his master plan, which he's outworking throughout the generations, throughout time, and it transcends time. God's plan transcends our current reality. And by transcends, I mean it goes beyond our range and our limitations. God's plan transcends time, our time, but also time in its entirety. God's plan exists out with time because God exists out with time. God's plan transcends our expression of church and the earth right now. And I don't know about you, on that little map of Whitburn, I look at our little space here in the town, and it seems very small to me. And the further and further we zoom out from the earth, the smaller and smaller and smaller it gets. I don't know about you, I feel very small sometimes. But small, and Alexander, you're laughing at me because of my height, aren't you? I feel very small sometimes, but small doesn't make us insignificant, either as individuals or as a church. God's plan transcends everything we're able to perceive with our physical or our spiritual senses. Just as we think we're beginning to grasp who God is and what he's all about, he shows us something else and we realize, actually, I'm just beginning. I'm just at the start. I said that to somebody just uh, this week. I feel like I'm just beginning to understand who God is. I'm just beginning to understand the Scriptures, just beginning to understand. And just as I close, there are three realities that I want to focus on very, very briefly. The first one is facts. The facts, if facts are truly facts, then they're indisputable. There are some things that we know to be facts, okay? Gravity is a fact, right? You can't do anything to defy gravity for very long. It's a fact. You might remember the advert from years and years ago. For those of us who are of a certain generation, the stain says hot, but the label says not. Do you remember that advert? I can't remember what it was advertising. (laughs) Some washing powder or other. Sometimes there are things that are just there. They are facts, and we need to put up with that. But each time we're presented with facts, we need to ask ourselves a question. What then shall we say? In response to the facts, in response to the things that we see, what then shall we say? There are different ways that we can respond to the facts that we see. There's a physical world in which we live and uh, we exist in, And if we're to believe some people, that's all that exists. But not every fact is a material fact. There's more to life than the material universe, the things that we can see and touch. There's more to life than that. There's a spiritual reality as well. There's a world that we live in, a spiritual world that we need to begin to grasp and find God in. And we can respond in one of two ways. We can respond with the flesh, which is one way, and it's not a helpful way. So when we're presented with the facts, as I was this week, I'm just trying to remember the occasion, I think it was sitting at Whitburn Cross, and I was indicating to turn right to come up the hill. So if you can get where I am, outside what used to be the bank, waiting to turn up to the right, and the lights had changed to red, And people kept coming through them. Right? Have you ever experienced that down there? 
And I was presented with the facts. The facts are, you guys have just went through the lights at red. And I responded, in the flesh, right? And it looked like this. For those of you who can't lead, lip read, that was, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, the lights at red and I'm stuck and the traffic's starting to come down and I'm, oh, dearie dear. Presented with the facts, responding in the flesh, okay? It's not recommended. Remember last week I was saying people don't like to be corrected? See the guy in the last car who came through the lights at red? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you, you went through the light at red, you... Numpty. Dearie, dear, we can respond in the flesh when we're presented with the facts, or we can respond, which is a far better way, with faith. Now, don't ask me how I'd respond in that situation with faith, right? <laughs> oh, dearie, dear. I'm trying to think, how would you respond differently in that situation? Just ignore it and go away and say, the Lord bless you, brother. I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know. When people are naughty, they're being naughty and they should recognize that they're being naughty. Anyway, that's another story. But the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we need to think about how to respond in faith. And when we're talking about the really difficult things in life, sitting at a set of traffic lights, when it changes to red and people doing naughty things, it's neither here nor there in the grand scheme of things, is it? We get caught up in the moment. One of the realities that hit C.S. Lewis when he lost his wife to cancer was that of her existence. Where is she? And this is what he says in a book called A Grief Observed. But there are other difficulties. Where is she now? That is, in what place is she at the present time? And that's a very personal question to me because I've been in that place and faced with that reality. Different set of circumstances for me, but losing somebody really close, and you say, where is he? And I wrestled with that question for a while. At a very deep level and at a very personal level, you wrestle with these questions. Where is he? And then one day as I was reading my Bible, I came to those words and I heard the Holy Spirit's whisper. I caught a little whisper in the wind, if you like. And I read these words. And then it became clear. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. That's where I felt I was. Where is he? I don't know. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And there it was, the answer to my question. Where is he now? God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Where is he? He's with Jesus. And he's going to come back with Jesus and there's going to be a reunion. And I had read those words many times, but in that moment I received the words by revelation through faith. And it made all the difference. And it has made all the difference for the last 17 years. Those who have fallen asleep, those who have died are with him. And faith says this, God is working out his plans and his purposes and they transcend our time and our understanding. They transcend our years. 
God is working out his plans. And even what we read in Scripture isn't complete yet. Let me read a, a few things. Daniel was told to seal up the vision. Remember that. Seal up the vision because it's concerning a distant future time. John, when he was writing the Revelation, was told, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. There are things which are sealed up. There are things which are concealed to us, for us, in God's plan. We're not meant to understand them, not yet at least. And therefore, we ask the question, what then shall we say? This is what faith says. And I'm going to finish with this scripture and a prayer. I told you, read Romans 8. Read Romans 8. Read it today. And this is what it says in verse 37 to 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Incredible words. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads as we just finish our time today, as we pray, and just as I say, a blessing over this congregation. And Father, we thank you for everyone who's gathered today, whether in person or online. And Father, we pray your blessing on every family, every individual. Father, we lean into you, we depend on you, we trust in you. Father, help us to hear your whispers on the wind. Help us to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us today, so that when we ask what then, what now, these types of questions, what then shall we say type questions? Because we need to say something. Father, we pray that you would give us the words, that you would give us the understanding, that you would give us the strength for today. Father, that you'd help us to live fully in today, to embrace every moment, to embrace your presence in our lives to embrace even the difficulties that we experience, and, Father, to find you in those difficulties. Lord, we all know that life isn't always easy. Father, there are times when we struggle emotionally, physically, spiritually, and, Father, we know that in those moments you have never left us because, Lord, you said you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, we know that nothing can separate us from your love, and, Father, we thank you for this reality and the response that we can make through faith today and declare that you are Lord over all, that your plans and purposes for, e for each of us, Father, they, they don't even end with the moment when we breathe our last breath, that, Father, you have an eternal purpose, an eternal hope, an eternal future, an eternal rest, and an eternal work for each one of us. So, Father, help us to put our trust fully in Jesus today and to walk hand in hand with you as we go on through today, through this week, and through every challenge that we may experience. And Lord, we, we know that you'll be with us. We know that your presence will go with us. And so, Father, we just say uh, with the writer of Numbers today, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we ask, and all God's people said, Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day, a great week.
and uh, we'll be in touch with you uh, throughout the week by email. So if you're not on email, if you get an email, please read it, please check it, and uh, send one back and say hi. That would be lovely too. Okay, thank you. The Lord bless you.